Hello and welcome to the latest director's briefing from the IOD and today we're going to be talking about this week's budget which has just been delivered by Chancellor Rishi Sunak. Uh, first of all I'm going to speak to our Chief Economist Tej. So Tej, what's your views? How did it go? Did it deliver for business? I think business leaders can be quite happy with this budget now. I think the Chancellor delivered on the key ask which was around extending coronavirus support uh, for as long as restrictions remain. So we saw the job retention scheme extended out till September, as was the self-employed income support scheme. There were measures to um, ensure that there was ongoing business rates relief and VAT relief as well. I think the only things that we might say on the COVID support package is, you know, whilst the Chancellor did extend the self-employed income support scheme to more self-employed, uh, there continues to be a, a gap there for owner-directors who continue to have no uh, support available for them. But the Chancellor did more broadly kind of expand grant support through the, the Restart Grant Scheme and more grants for local authorities as well. I guess for many businesses, the, the key thing is if the roadmap does go off track, then you know, the, the government should be prepared to extend those schemes. Um, aside from the COVID support package, the next big area that many businesses were calling for was a, a stimulus. And I'd say the Chancellor certainly delivered on this. You know, we were calling for digital and capital investment incentives. And we saw the Help to Grow scheme, which is essentially vouchers for businesses to invest in digital technology. And then we also saw this super deduction, which uh, essentially allows businesses that are investing in capital and machinery and their plant to uh, essentially offset some of that cost against their tax liability. So I think there's a big amount in there for businesses to be kind of um, happy about in terms of stimulating their investment and their growth. Of course, the last thing we did see was some tax rises, which, of course, you know, many businesses won't be too happy with that. And on those tax rises, corporation tax obviously um, put back until 2023. Uh, what are your views on that, Tej? Who's, who's, who are the winners and losers from that particular policy? Well, given that, as usually does precede most budgets, there's a lot of rumours. I think a lot of business leaders and, and, of course, ourselves are expecting the outcome for tax to be a lot worse at this budget. Let's not forget there's this big panic around what would happen to capital gains tax. Um, and there wasn't really any change in that um, in this budget. And then there was uh, rumours around co corporation tax going up immediately uh, for the new tax year. And luckily that was avoided. So what was eventually announced was the Chancellor plans to hike the corporation tax from 19 to 25%. And, and he's kind of effectively delayed that increase for two years, which gives business leaders a chance to recover. The other elements that smooths that for businesses is the fact that it's tiered. So it's only really the higher rate is only kind of levied upon the larger businesses and lower businesses below a certain smaller businesses below a certain threshold uh, continue to pay the lower rate. Um, and then there was also, um, you know, it's also offset by the fact that there were these kind of tax reliefs on capital allowances um, that that and this loss carry back rule as well that was expanded that would also support and offset some of the kind of negatives of this increase in corporation tax. I think one element that's actually underappreciated here is actually, you know, everyone was talking about the economics of this budget and the chance of having to balance providing ongoing support with the fact that 
you know, we have to kind of look at the the public finances. But actually, um, you know, the Chancellor could be being quite politically astute in, in his decision making. Now, a lot of this budget hinges on a key OBR assumption that the economy is 3% smaller in the medium term. Uh, and that's due to the scarring effects of people's people being long-term unemployed and business insolvencies. But of course, if the roadmap goes to plan, if the chances investment schemes are in, uh, allow us to invest very quickly, and you know people's skills do not atrophy as much as we expect them to because of all these uh, training schemes that Joe will speak about later, then there's every chance that actually the economy could um, you know, grow a lot higher than the OBR's assumption. And if that's the case, then actually in 2023, just ahead of those um, elections, uh, Rishi Sunak could be in the position to actually kind of, you know, go back on some of those tax rises, which would, of course, be a, a very uh, good uh, political development for, for the Conservatives. Thanks, Tej. Just, just one last sort of point on the budget, um, on, a, on a sort of very practical point. It's nearly a year since the Chancellor first announced the furlough scheme and he's extended it, obviously, to September. Will that be welcome for businesses? And um, do you think that will deal with the cliff edge problem? Because, of course, if the roadmap um, is followed and we're able to follow it, then we should be seeing businesses and everything reopening from June. Yeah, I think um, the extension to the job retention scheme is very important. You know, without it, the unemployment rate would certainly be far higher. We know a lot of our members have relied upon it. Um, So it's extended out until June and then it's tapered, which makes sense because, of course, if the economy is reopening, then businesses can start contributing some amount to it. I guess we just need to be careful, you know, as we are approaching that September date, evaluating what the state of businesses is and obviously where we are with the roadmap would be important. But I think, you know, for now, that cliff edge has been avoided. Great. Thanks, Tej. I'm going to move on to uh, to Roger. Um, Roger, I'm really interested to hear your views on Khalifa, which is obviously um, was released last week, um, looking at the best ways of supporting the UK's fintech cent, uh, sector. What, what are your views on that? Is it going to achieve what it's set out to do? Well, it put forward some interesting ideas for this sector, which is a real growth sector and thus far actually quite a success story in the UK. Um, We have the biggest uh, fintech sector in Europe um, and it's probably generating about 11 billion in in revenues for the economy. So it's it. But of course, as we now move out of the pandemic, um, as we also move out of the EU, there's a real question, can we maintain that competitiveness? Um, do we need to sort of change the regulator or improve the regulatory regime that we have in order to continue that growth? And Ron Khalifa, who used to be the, the CEO of WorldPay, has put forward various proposals to try and boost the sector. So to help companies a bit like um, Monzo or Starling or Revolut, um, you know, th- these are some of the existing success stories in the UK fintech sector. But the the sort of proposals he's suggesting for the Treasury to think about, first and foremost, actually an accelerated visa scheme for fintech talent from around the world to come to the UK and work in the sector. Almost 50% of people working in UK fintech are actually overseas nationals. So it, it is important that we continue to maintain 
the UK as an attractive place to come 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 and work in, in the sector. We also, of course, need to train our own homegrown talent. And he had something to say about that. Um, he was very keen to actually promote a more fintech friendly stock market by allowing um, new uh, features such as dual class share listings. Um, and he wanted to actually launch a new one billion fintech investment funds, mobilizing the funds of pension funds uh, to try and promote the sector. Finally, I would say is that he um, he was very um, interested in the idea of promoting clusters, regional clusters of fintech, which ties in very well, actually, with Rishi Sunak's um, advocacy during the budget of free ports. And also on the uh, issue of listings <laughs> reviews, of course, Roger, and where, where that report shares, um, shares some objectives in another report, was um, Lord Jonathan Hill's report, of course, was out this week. Um, what are your initial views on, on from what we've seen from that? Well, I have to say, I found that the Hill review really quite radical in terms of the range of options it was considering. And I, I understand the reason for that, um, you know, the need for blue sky thinking there, because uh, he, he, uh, Lord Hill quotes the st statistic, which is quite a damning statistic, which is that between 2015 and 2020, only 5% of global listings took place in London. So London is really losing ground to other global financial centres in terms of equity trading and IPOs. Um, and the number of listed companies on the London Stock Exchange has more or less halved, almost halved since 2008. So there is a real need to try and make London more attractive as a public market. The sort of, the sort of measures he proposed were really measures that will make London more attractive to founders, founders in particular of innovative technology type companies. And the sort of proposals he's suggesting are allowing them, them to list companies in the premium segment of the market with a dual share structure. So you can have one kind of share, which is one share, one vote, another kind of share, which is 10 shares, one vote, for example, which would be held by the founder, which would allow them to keep control at least for a period of time, up to five years, according to Lord Hill's proposals. And that would allow, to some extent, the companies to be shielded from the, should we say, the short-term pressures of other stock market investors who tend to want to see more short-term short financial results. And, and that's not necessarily a desirable thing in a tech company or an innovative company. Um, other proposals in this report were um, a reduction in existing free float requirements. Currently, if you float on the London Stock Exchange, you need to have 25% of the shares free floating. Um, uh, Hill is suggesting it could go down to 15%. He's actually proposing a complete rethink of prospectuses um, when used to list companies uh, and suggesting that in some cases, companies may not even need a prospectus at all. Um, a final thing, a bit more controversial, which he, he's, he's, he's suggesting, is that London should get on the bandwagon for these, this new type of financial vehicle known as SPACs, um, special purpose acquisition companies, which are essentially blank check companies which raise money from investors without the investors knowing what they're going to actually invest in, ultimately. Um, Hill is suggesting that to, to try and make London more attractive to these type of companies, there should be some regulatory change some regulatory liberalization to make that more feasible i have my doubts about that because the problem with SPACs is they're essentially an arbitrage of existing 
um, IPO listing requirements. And, you know, that that may not in the long run be a good thing to, to, to dilute these regulations too much for the long term reputation of London. Thanks, Roger. Lots to um, to keep an eye on then from, from both of those reviews as they move forward. Um, and finally, Joe, um, the Chancellor, you know, skills came up again in the budget, as we would hope, um, of course, including a doubling of apprenticeship um, incentive payments for, for employers um, and also the new help to grow scheme for small businesses to help them upskill. Um, presumably, these are these are to be welcomed. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was quite a quite a lot of uh, skills related support in this budget and some really positive stuff in there on apprenticeships. As you say, there's been a doubling in the incentive payments. So they were due to stop um, very soon, actually, in the coming month. But they've been extended through through this year and have been doubled. And so that that will really be quite a significant bit of support for those uh, SMEs that are, are looking to utilize their access to, to, to apprentices and a really great way to help young people into uh, into their their career chosen career path. And um, so those payments are incentive payments are up to three thousand uh, pounds per apprentice. Uh, in addition to that, we actually had further support on traineeships. So we know that you know these have been also a, a useful, a very useful and uh, welcome. Um, mechanism to get young people into work and, and to support people. So these are um, sort of si- between six weeks and a year long, um, but generally they last less than about six months. Um, and 126 million pounds of funding was was provided, which will will cover about 40,000 more traineeships uh, in the coming months. Um, and then we had the the Help to Grow uh, scheme. So this is uh, for for management and for digital. Um, it's from June and it'll be uh, UK businesses that are from any sector but have between five and 249 employees and uh, have been operating for more than a year. So there'll be 30,000 places on this um, over the course of three years and uh, it's it's funded 90%. So participants will be charged about £750 to get involved. And so that'll be a really useful tool as well. Um, there are other schemes that have come in place recently. We have the Kickstart scheme, and this is um, aimed at those uh, long-term unemployed uh, individuals who, who are aged between 16 and 24 um, and are at risk of long-term unemployment if, if, if they aren't already. Um, and employers of all sizes can get 100% funding for up to 25 hours a week for a total of six months at the national living wage. So another really useful scheme. I think one of the key challenges here for business people is actually navigating the range of of schemes that are now available there's there's quite a lot of support out there but it's understanding where where should an organization start when looking to upskill existing workforce or to rehire and and rebuild the workforce um, and 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 have that talent pipeline coming through as well so lots to consider but but lots of really good news that's great thanks joe and uh, and thanks to everybody for listening i hope that's been a useful roundup of this week's budget.